Hello, everyone, and welcome to the USAID Leads podcast. Today, we're going to discuss USAID's vision of the journey to self-reliance, which is how we're working to help our country partners to be better able to plan, finance, and implement solutions to solve their own development challenges. Let's jump right in with Administrator Green and Chris Maloney from our Bureau for Policy Planning and Learning to hear more about this. Administrator Green, Chris, thank you so much for joining us for this discussion. Great to be with you. Administrator, can we start with you? Could you tell us more about your vision for USAID's journey to self-reliance? How is this approach different from the way we've approached foreign assistance in the past? Well, it all goes back to the starting point that we've talked about a number of times. We believe the purpose of foreign assistance should be ending its need to exist. The way that you do that is you help country partners on their journey to getting to that point, and we call it self-reliance. Uh, what I've found, um, first off, is that the aspiration to self-reliance is pretty much universal. In just the last week or so, I've been doing some research for a couple of uh, presentations we're going to give, and you see that terminology or that notion pop up in just about every culture. It can be countries that are in the midst of, of deep poverty and, and needing a lot of assistance, but it's also in those countries that have recently emerged. Everyone sees this need to be self-reliant, to be able to lead themselves. We certainly do. It's cooked in our DNA. What makes this different than what we've done before is that focus, that we are focusing on helping our partners to help themselves. Uh, a lot of what we've done in the past is to measure largely outputs from programs. And it's very useful. It's important information. What we're looking at now are more outcomes, and the outcomes that we're looking at are really the capacity and the tools for countries to lead their own bright future. Chris, what are some of the metrics we'll be looking at? Sure. So, you know, we've had a long process for almost a year now trying to figure out, well, first, how do you even define self-reliance? How do you unpack it? And for us, we've really looked upon it in two dimensions. Um, in some ways to think about it in a shorthand way is what are you putting in and what are you getting out? And so if you're looking on that input side, this is what we call commitment. It's looking at the choices, it's looking at the behaviors, the informal governance mechanisms, the things that a country is doing that either help or hinder it along its journey. On the other side though, we have to look at how far along in the journey the country is, and that's what we call capacity. And there is a relationship there. If you're at low capacity, sometimes it's hard to make the right choices. At the same time, if I make the wrong choices, sometimes it leads to very bad outcomes. So trying to understand this interplay between the commitment and the capacity side of the self-reliance story has been key. Being able to do sort of split um, the concept onto these two axes has been important for us as we then look at the types of metrics that are available to help us assess commitment on one side and capacity on the other. Um, things like on the government side, from a commitment side, we look at commitment to democracy. We look at, at uh, commitment to open government. When we think about the people we want to see, what are the choices being made in terms of ensuring inclusive development? When we look at the economic side, what are the economic policy choices that that government is making as well? And on the capacity side, we're looking again primarily at things that show us how far along the development spectrum a country has come. How able is it to deliver services? How able is it to deliver quality education, to have low poverty rates, to ensure robust child health outcomes, the structures of the economy and various vulnerabilities therein? So these are the types of metrics that we've come at on very high level, essentially entry points. You know, there's no way we can have a perfect set of metrics that will show us a perfect picture of self-reliance. 
But we do have a set of metrics that do show us this global view that allow us to basically then plot all of the world's countries along what we're now calling the journey to self-reliance. You touched on this a little bit, Chris, but there may be some people who feel that the journey to self-reliance may be too much about the metrics, and it can't be just about the metrics, could it? No, definitely not. So the metrics are really the entry point. They're what show us where we need to dig deeper. So I like to say it shows us where a country's relative strengths and relative challenges are. If we understand what's working and what's not, what could we do differently? And I know, you know the administrator and I have talked many times about catalyzers of that journey. And I think two things that we're focused on a lot are financing self-reliance, so looking at the ways we can break down the silos to really turbocharge the things we do to support our country's abilities to finance their own development journeys, as well as the private sector engagement side. How do we change our mindsets, get the right skills in place, and think about new and innovative models to really bring the private sector to the center of how we do development? Administrator Green, what do you think is the greatest benefit for these roadmaps? A conversation. That's the purpose of these roadmaps as they go out. It becomes a great tool for a focused discussion between us and our partners on how we can be most helpful and what it is that we can do to help countries reach their aspirations. Uh, we have to go in with humility. Uh, we have to go in saying, look, we don't have all the answers, but we've made a lot of mistakes along the way. Uh, we've learned a lot along the way we get to help you not repeat the mistakes that we've made. I think that that's the, the sort of posture we go into. When you go in with a sense of humility plus hard numbers in a common framework and common terminology, I think you have a great discussion. I think the discussions that we have with our partners will be more productive than ever before because it's based upon a common approach. How does a journey to self-reliance link to our broader national security interests and the administration's policies? Well, look, uh, American leadership in the world is based on a lot of different pieces. Part of it is economic leadership. We want to help countries be stronger, more self-sufficient, and economic partners to us. Uh, we want to create more trading partners. We want to create more people who are linked to the markets-based orientation in the world as opposed to the, the old-line state-managed economic framework, just governance, and, and getting at those democratic values that are an important expression of, of America's place in the world and how we view what's necessary to, to rise and what's universal. Last question, or almost last question. Chris, I'll start with you, and sir, if you could have the last word. If you can look in a crystal ball and look down five, 10 years down the line, what is your hope that the journey to self-reliance has become? Chris. I really hope that this is getting us to a place of smarter development. You know, I think we've come to a place where, particularly in the development community writ large, I'm not speaking about USAID, but just in general, is we're very risk averse. We have limited resources. This is an anchoring tool that, again, is using objective data that helps us see where we need to truly focus if we want to try and make a difference. Sir. What I think it does for us and will continue to do in a more obvious way is show that the bargain we offer our partners, which is strengthening their pursuit of market-based, private sector-oriented economic growth utilizing technology, that that is the wiser choice uh, to rising as a nation and providing for people than the alternative model 
which China, but not just China, seems to be driving a command and control economy in which government makes decisions for you. I am a conservative in that I am a great believer in the power of the individual, in an individual-centered approach. That's what I think this uh, provides. I think it creates an alternative model that experience tells us is more sustainable and more effective, but also I think it does the most to lift the human condition and allow people to, uh, to aspire and to dream. Administrator Green, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and to speak to us about this new initiative. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. Now let's continue the conversation with Chris Maloney and welcome the president and CEO of Save the Children, Carolyn Miles. Thank you for joining us today, Carolyn. Thanks, Carol. Good to be here. Carolyn, we just heard Administrator Green talk about his vision for ending the need for foreign assistance through the journey to self-reliance. Now, I know you help lead this new metrics effort through your work on USA's Advisory Committee on Voluntary Foreign Assistance, as well as through Save the Children's role as a USAID implementing partner. How do you think this approach will be received in the development community, especially with implementing partners? Well, I, I think that Save the Children in particular is really excited about the launch of the journey to self-reliance. It, it fits really well with the way I think we think about development. And I think AGFA played an important role providing early input to help lay the groundwork for this journey. So the input on metrics, for example, provides a valuable perspective on the need for metrics on things like inequality in particular which really reflects the growing inequality between and within countries, that it's, it's really important to measure as we go forward. And we've worked, I think, really closely with other development partners to consult with USAID on this new approach uh, through things like the Modernizing Foreign Assistance Network and Interaction and the U.S. Global Leadership Coalitions. Have you been getting any feedback already on how the rollout has been going and also hearing from other implementing partners? One is that we want to make sure that things are driven by country priorities. Save the Children is very much on the ground in many of the countries where we work together with USAID and country partners really want to see this uh, drive towards sustainability, this idea that they can be in charge of their own development. And we also, I think, want to make sure it's seen as a way to maximize impact. So those are things that we've, we've heard so far uh, from our partners, particularly on the ground. Chris, what are your thoughts on how the larger development community can best engage with us on this journey to self-reliance and the country roadmaps? So we see the coming year very much as a sort of V1.0 learning year. We don't know what we don't know what we don't know. So first, engaging with our, our country partners on the ground in terms of seeing how the concept of self-reliance and these roadmaps re resonate, the choices of the metrics, should we be refining them? Are there other options out there that we should be looking at? We really want to make sure that we're continuing continuously improving this tool and this approach and this concept, and that's only really going to come as we as we begin to roll this out. And in particular, not just with our country partners, but with our um, implementing partners and our other development partners in the donor community and elsewhere. This is a question for both Carolyn and for you, Chris. Uh, Carolyn, we'll start with you. As USAID reorients around this data-driven, country-centric approach, are there any areas of concern that you feel we need to keep in mind? And if so, 
what are they? How do we address them? Sure. Well, I, I think there are a couple of things to keep in mind. Um, one is how important it is to ensure that staff understand and communicate the limitations of the metrics and acknowledge that in some cases we're going to need additional data and analysis, particularly from local sources, and that it's going to be important to account for time lags and data quality issues. You know, in a lot of places where we all work, it's hard to get good data. So I think being able to take what we have and use it the best we can, but understand that there are going to be quality issues at times. And on both the roadmaps and the secondary self-reliance metrics, um, I think the U.S. needs to reach out and engage civil society organizations, um, particularly those that are advocating for women and youth and other really mar marginalized populations. So making sure that these groups can also look at the data and kind of verify that it looks right based on what they know from uh, their work on the ground. And then finally, USAID, I think, needs to communicate a clear vision for how those metrics are going to support the countries in their own planning and making sure that they uh, have those dialogues, uh, again, at the country level. You bring up some good points, Carolyn. Chris, anything to add there? Yeah, I mean, I think to, to uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think this is why the ethos we've had behind this, the roadmaps in particular and the metrics specifically, is that they need to be seen as entry points. There's no way that with a set of 15 to 20 metrics that you can paint a perfect picture of self-reliance in a country. We're always going to have to bring quite extensive qualitative and quantitative information to bear um, from civil society, from other donors, um, from other data sources that may be very good regionally, but we haven't used them at this global level. Um, so, you know, we always have said that, you know, we need to see these as entry points and we shouldn't see them as monolithic um, as well. There will probably be some naysayers to this. Carolyn, what do you say to the naysayers of the journey to self-reliance? I mean, I think this is a journey. That's, I think that's a good name for it. And um, we all believe in self-reliance. So we're all focused on making sure that eventually the need for foreign aid uh, goes away. So I think you know, the naysayers, I would say, you know, you're not going to see progress unless we get started. And so I think thinking about it as a journey with different, uh, I guess, lengths of the road, if you will, for different countries um, is the way we think about it. And for some countries, it's going to take, a, I was just in Somalia, you know, it's going to take a really long time in some places. But in other countries, it should be a much shorter road, but we have to get started on the road in order to get there. Chris, what do you say to the naysayers of the journey to self-reliance? Um, to me, the big thing is, is why do we want to shy away from objective and transparent data? What's scary about it? These are all very well-known third-party sources, and we should use them as a way to have conversations. You know, one of the things I've heard from many folks has been, well, you know, should we be shying away from having a tough conversation about democracy or corruption or the inability to deliver a rule of law, things like that? And if we're not having those frank conversations, then how are we sure that we're doing the right things, um, that our interventions are focused on the right areas? We need to have these tough conversations. We need to hold ourselves and our partners accountable. And this is a great, transparent, and, and objective way to do that. And so I would just ask what the alternative is. Um, if we really are trying to end the need for foreign assistance, then we need to have a touchstone like this. Carolyn, you brought up a really good point in your last comment how it can't be a one-size-fits-all approach, correct? I mean, the journey will be shorter for some and longer for others. Uh, I mean, th those might be good words to put forward to people who may have some questions about this. 
Yeah, that's right. I think, um, and again, one of the most important things about this is that things are rooted in the uh, in the country perspectives and what's actually happening at a country level. And that's why some of those journeys are going to be long and, and some will be shorter. And I think that's where we really have to really drive this use of metrics and the transparency, as Chris said, is really important, particularly at that local level. And at the end of the day, when you get governments and local civil society and actors like Save the Children and others and USAID all looking at the same data, right, we'll have a much better idea of how we're going to get to our goals together. And I think that's that starts by really getting people involved and engaged at that local level, which I think is important. Time to roll up the sleeves. Exactly. Carolyn, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time for a great discussion. To our listeners out there, thank you for joining us and be sure to follow hashtag USAID on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This episode and more are available in the App Store. Just search for USAID Leads. Until next time, 